Welcome again to Startup West, the podcast about building great startups in sunny West Australia with people who've been there and done it or live here and are doing it. My name's Charlie Gunningham. And my name is Beth Cornelia. And today we are very lucky to be sitting with husband and wife team Grant and Sharon Grosser, co-founders of ah, Sector. What lovely people. And a great local tech success story. Um, a company, all I love about their story is they're solving a problem that they both saw. Yeah. And as that's teachers. <laughs> where the whole company grew. As teachers, exactly. They saw terrible school admin systems and Grant went out and made his first product for himself mm-hmm. and then the business took off from there. Fantastic story. Absolutely. So we are very happy to have them on board. Uh, so the Startup West podcast is, of course, a startup news production and it's brought to you by our sponsors ECU The Link, Think Lab Coworking and BDO. And also... Beth, yes. you, you and the lovely people at Alika, <laughs> yes. thanks for your yes. help with the Startup West podcast. All right. So without further ado, we hope you enjoy this chat with Grant and Sharon Grosser. So Grant and Sharon, thank you so much for uh, coming along to the Startup West podcast. We're on episode three and mm. we're very, very excited to have you here. So we thought it would be, would be good to start with a bit of background on uh, both of you. Are you both Perth born? Uh, where did you meet? All those kind of fun questions. So over to you guys. Okay. So I was uh, born in country WA and went to school to year 10 at the local district high school and then came to Perth for boarding school Which for Which country? Years. Where country WA? Boyette Brook. Where oh, is Boyette Brook? Boyette Brook. I should know. I've been out there for a gig, actually. Near Bridgetown. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, right. Most so, people have heard of Bridgetown. So, yeah, yeah it's um, about 30 k's from Bridgetown. So southwest WA? Yeah. 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 Lovely. Um, and then boarding school for two years and then uni and, you know, Perth really ever since. The big smoke since. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Which do you prefer? Oh, I would love to say I'd like to raise, would have liked to have raised my children in the country. Yeah. But job opportunities are tricky. Yeah, There's all yeah. sorts of limitations. Um, so. And Grant, you a Perth boy? I was actually born in Calcutta. That's a story for another day. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, probably was here from the age of one. And right, so you don't remember. Did everything yeah. in Perth, university here. Actually met Sharon uh, probably first time when we were little babies, but then again at 13, fell in what? love with her. Okay. She didn't fall in love with me. <laughs> but uh, early 20s we were you married persisted. and, uh, yes. you know, oh, the, rest, yeah. the rest is history. And you were both teachers then? There was just a little bit of water that flowed <laughs> under the bridge in, the, in that uh, eight-year gap. Quite a lot of water, yes. Uh, well, we, um, <laughs> oh, can we please tell this story? No, you really... <laughs> Yeah, so, so I uh, came out of uni and had my first teaching job in my school, actually. I went into liquidation and, like, it was... Oh. went bankrupt. Went into yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, it ended up being bought out by the Anglican Schools Commission. Okay. Um, but I skipped out and actually went and um, started a music shop for a guy who owned a piano shop, wanted a general oh. music store. Spent about four, um, four uh, years building up Music Park back then and uh, then Sharon in the meantime had done her teacher training. Yeah, so I didn't do teacher training to start with. I did an arts degree, then I did a grad dip in business, or in those days it was secretarial studies, but I found myself sitting outside someone's office doing shorthand, which was really not fun. So I did a dip head part-time and got my first teaching job and just really felt like teaching was the thing for me. It was great. Teaching primary, teaching a subject? What? Teaching um, high school English. High school English. Yeah. And Grant, you were teaching music? Uh, I was design and technology. Oh, yeah. um, I qualified in science, but I haven't taught a lesson of science outside prac and end up actually teaching IT, sort of fell into teaching IT as okay. well. Okay, so, so that's the tech background in you. 
Yeah, I had to learn on the fly, but yeah. And then the story about the the starting of Sector was you actually built the software when you were deputy head. So now you're, is that right? You're now a deputy head. So it was a few years later and you built the software because the school admin systems were so poor. Sort of. So we, um, what I was doing was solving specific problems we had with access databases. Right. Uh, oh, access databases. A bit, of, vi- yeah, a bit yeah. of visual basic. Version one was the first one I built. And I guess I started building little solutions for myself and the problems I faced. And then others would be like, oh, hang on, can we use that as well? And before I knew it, uh, you know, we had everyone in the school using my pastoral software and then the school sort of like, can you build us something for attendance? I'm like, I don't know, I'll give it a go. So I built something for attendance in Access and then uh, they said, well, do you think you could do a reporting system? I'm like, I don't know, I'll give it a go. So in 1998, I built the reporting system and had a couple of ex-students build me a web front end for it. And so we were doing web-based reporting in 98, which is fairly early early for schools. And I don't know about security and stuff (laughs) because it was built by a couple of ex-students. But, hey, it did the trick and and we had a good system. So I guess the business then flowed out of that in 2006 when I decided I'd, I'd had enough I started thinking about, okay, I've got this experience, but what can I do that's actually going to dramatically change the situation for teachers um, given what I've done? And that's when I started getting the idea of bringing everything together. I was a former teacher as well. What was it doing? It was obviously doing child attendance. You could lodge that. You could do what? So, so it's, not, it it's, it's attendance, pastoral, um, teacher planning, uh, online delivery, assessment, Mark's book, through to health centre, um, student plans like individual education plans. So it's everything a teacher needs to do day right. to day. Okay. But it's not just about it does this, it does that, it does the other. It's about how each of those modules talk to each other, integrate with each other. So yeah. if you're in one place... I'm not just doing one thing, marking the role. Anything that's related, assessment dates are related to students' attendance. Pastoral is related to student attendance. So everything I need to do and know while I'm doing that particular action is all there without me going in this really fragmented way of going to this module, then to that module, and and Mm. never the twain shall meet. Because that was basically the problem when I was a teacher. So we would do our... um, put our marks into an Excel spreadsheet, I'd type up my lesson plans in Word, you know, we'd do all these different things. And the technology was a massive problem for someone like me because I'm an English teacher and I don't need technology. <laughs> I, all I need is a book and a bunch of kids and I'm happy, you know. Yeah. So I was not a happy camper when it came to <laughs> all this new technology coming into schools. If right. it was really easy and, it, you know, like I could tick a box on a screen to do my attendance, that was fine. But I really was very disinterested in Mm. any of the stuff that was coming out on, you know, CD-ROMs and we had, like, banks of, you know, laptops, you know, that would come in the classroom on a trolley. On a trolley, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, I don't need this. I'm I'm just not interested um, because I couldn't see how it was helping me I remember report writing was always an absolute nightmare. Trying to get the reports all collated. Well, every, I mean, everything horrendous. was so siloed too. So the Marx books never talked to, you'd have to give it to your head of department, they'd do the moderation, give it back to you, then you'd yeah. go into some, you know, clunky window system to put yeah. your reports in and then someone had to print them all, proof yeah. them, go back in and make the changes. And staple them together. And staple yeah. them together. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. that's right. So that's what Crazy. I wanted a teacher to do something once. 
And anyone who needed to know about that from reports through to parents, through to students, mm. students that submit work, parents were brought into that, teachers were brought into it. Yeah. Everything they needed to access, they had really nice places to access that and the richer data. So yeah. it was about taking away the silos that occur in education and, and yeah. bringing it all together That's in an integrated problem, way. Mm. Huge problem you're so, so with that... I suppose MVP that you built while you were still teaching did it did it start very I suppose you know you you were building one piece at a time so getting it all to talk to each other was that quite a challenge during that that period and is that where the business started when, yeah no when so, you got it started it was all right how do we actually make all of this stuff talk to yeah and no, it was quite different to that so I knew when I uh, first came up with the idea that we need this really big picture thing, not just the pieces I'd made, that mm. it could never be delivered in a sustainable enterprise manner mm. through um, access. It had to be done anew. So I started all new design, did them all in PowerPoints. You know, the early <laughs> right. software was yeah. literally um, understanding that in 2006 um, browsers couldn't round corners. And for me, visually uh, on pages, mm. There needed to be file tabs because I wanted a visual connection between what teachers were using and the software right. so that they felt comfortable in the environment. So the design was really important. Yeah. yeah. And, and, that introduction and the, to make teachers yeah. like you, Sharon, Absolutely. That's right. actually enjoy it. Because I, I did not want to learn software. Yeah. It just was not of interest to me. So if he was going to... you're a tech founder now. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> the most ironic thing ever. But if he was going to build something, it had to work for me. And I was... Were you number one tester? Yeah, well, I was the 40-year-old, you know, person who was not at all interested in anything new. So if it was going to work for me, it was probably going to work for anyone. When did you think there's a business here? Is it when people started asking you in other schools, hey, Grant, can we use this? Um, No, I I, I guess I just knew from the outset. I ran my early um, PowerPoint um, mock-ups. I was still teaching at that point. I'd resigned, but... That's where I, I right. resigned from the job. I got the ideas. I started working on PowerPoint ideas, ran them by a couple of my colleagues. Look, I just knew that the education industry, you know, that we needed it. Right. Yeah. Like so you were just ready to yeah. ready to go for it. And so yeah. in those in those early years, you how was it how was it funded? What did that look like for you guys? Obviously being a, mm-hmm. a startup and, and I <laughs> believe I believe bootstrapping it. <laughs> yes. What what did that what was that like, that experience? Um I think naivety is a really good thing sometimes. Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. We both quit our jobs. We mortgaged the house that we've just paid off. Um, You know, we... Well, I... At the time, I was just like, oh, yeah, we can do this. Because we absolutely had no idea what we were getting into. And, you know, we'd never heard of ed tech or startups or... Bootstrapping, bootstrapping or, or yeah. angels or any of Lean those. Lean startups. Never heard of, of it. You were just doing all we the stuff d- without yeah. knowing the terms that apply. Yeah, and, you know, at, because at the beginning we were told that we'd have what we now know as an MVP, um, you know, in three months and it would cost $70,000, it didn't seem like a massive risk. Well, yeah, three months you'd be sorted. Yeah, that's right. So what actually happened? <laughs> so what actually happened was... <laughs> Ten years? Was, yeah, I mean... We, we didn't have... I mean, nowadays I would say we had MVP at in 2012. Okay, so um, But we had a product later. we could sell to schools in probably 2008, but it was really riddled and it didn't work right. so well. But schools were so 
taken by the powerful idea they were desperate for that we never to... lost any yeah. like right. our, our churn is next to zero right we've Incredible. we've had a few schools churn the system will make a decision that you can't use something anymore you've got to move to this so we'll churn occasional mm-hmm. ones but other than that in fact our first three schools still use the software now wow yeah, yeah. and they went through a lot of pain they went through yeah. a lot so of pain so you say the seventy thousand dollar quote to build them so that's some other company you're paying for to come in or that's contract that was a contract right, contracted to come in and so, do it. At, right. some, at some point, did you move to an uh, you know full time staff member insourcing approach? And why Absolutely. Didn't, was well, that a good move? Oh, there's so many reasons. I guess again because we didn't know what we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we really didn't have any networks because we were teachers, and you know, the only person we knew who worked for a big tech company said it was going to cost two million dollars. Oh, and, and take two years. And take two years to get. You know, and so we were like, oh, no, our house is only worth $230,000. You know, that's all we've got. So I bet you've spent that, though. I think we, oh, have. we have. And, and I think I think the yeah. thing is I look back now at the pain that we had from 2007 through to 2010 when we finally went, you know what, this is never going to work. Mm-hmm. Right. We've got to cut, cut the change losses. all the back end underneath all the front end stays the same. for the third time. And then 2012... Deliver that all of that new back end with a brand new front end, right? So with we no to, downtime as well. I'm with guessing. no downtime, right? Because that to was painful. But yeah. looking back on it, had I gone the two million dollar path, I probably would have gone. I can't do this yeah. and yeah. gone back into you know a job. Whereas yeah. at seventy thousand k's, it got us on the journey. And I, you know, in terms of you know, could we have given up at any point? Should we? Did we feel like that? I never did. I just thought we. For me, it's not about what is the uh, you know if I'm if I'm in a boat in the middle of the ocean with a broken motor, uh, <laughs> it, it's not about we're gonna that die here, get eaten by sharks, way. right? <laughs> You've been there. For Sharon. me, it's about no, 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 not Sharon. Um, for me, it's not about what the end point is. It's about okay, well, what's what's the next step? And there's 43 right. steps between now and getting eaten by sharks while we're trying to swim for land, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, yeah. I never. It's never about well, we got to give up. It's about well, what's the next step? And every next step is an achievable step, yeah. if that makes sense. Just yeah. don't look yeah, yeah. too many ahead, otherwise you might be overwhelmed by it. So, so what was it like going? And I've done this going from being a teacher to running a business. And what skills do you think teachers have that translate quite well to business? Amazing organisational skills. Yeah. Good ability to relate, good ability to inspire people, get them behind their vision, their subject, that sort of stuff. And I think too, teachers, a teacher's work is never done. So you're used to the fact that there's just always more, always more, and you don't expect to sort of go home on the weekend and sit back and put your feet up. So Or go home at night and have a glass of wine and go to sleep. You know, you're you're working every night. People don't realise that about teachers. Uh, They get all these holidays. Bullshit. Try doing it for one day. That's what I want to say. Try taking my classes for one day. Yeah. 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 See how you, See how you, go. How you yeah. go after that. And you have to be super organised, don't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Because if you're not there at what quarter past eight when the lesson bell rings, they're going to eat you for breakfast and rightfully so absolutely. if you're not organised yeah. and have backup plans and yeah. be on top of your game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's not just quarter past eight. It's like um, if I'm not there, if I'm starting at quarter past eight, half past seven, I need to be looking at my day, organising myself ahead of time. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to get eaten up because I'm walking into classes unprepared. How did you get those first sales and how did you grow the business and, you know, sales and marketing, that that side of it? To start with, it was very much, um, 
I guess, door knocking, cold calling, although we knew, obviously, we had networks yeah. of teachers, so we could go to um, our friends and colleagues and say, this is what we've got, you know, are you interested? Um, our first, our launch um, was a disaster in one way. I mean, we got um, 75 school So leaders. this 2006, 2008, 2007, November. Yeah. All right. But the product wasn't ready. It was supposed yeah. to be ready and yeah. it wasn't. Right. So it was a blend of PowerPoint and sort of semi-working <laughs> right. yeah. stuff. But we, we signed up, yeah. But I guess, again, the idea was so powerful. We signed up three schools who, you know, became our implementation partner schools mm-hmm. and we just worked really, really, really hard with them. And from that, you know, we were able to show a little bit of, I guess, real-life um, traction. Mm-hmm. And then it was just one school and one school and it was very, very slow. But it's about identifying the low-hanging fruit, so the schools that we had the best prospects of getting into with the least effort um, yep. at early stage doing what we needed to do on pricing and so discounting. WA schools, in. private schools, Catholic schools? Uh, no, early days was very much around the, the smaller Christian school market and then okay. we sort of grew out of there and then uh, sort of picked up our first PSA school about 2008, nine right. something, uh, 2009 or yeah. 10. Yeah. And that really started to help. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it wasn't till we actually had MVP what we now know as MVP in mm. 2012, um, at the same time as picking up the best sales guy in ed tech in Australia at the time, right. picked that up together and that's what really accelerated the business, uh-huh. the two of those yeah. things, the convergence of the tech and the, the salesperson yeah. together. And up until 2012, I mean, you know, the bank still had our house. We were still struggling to... It was past that. It was- yeah. 2015, yeah. I yeah. think. But I'm just saying, at 2012, there was still so much uncertainty. You've just yes. felt like at any day it could all fall over. Um, I you were five years in then still. Yeah. yeah. And it I does felt take five years, doesn't it? Every single day because yeah. I thought, will we be able to make payroll? And worse than that, will we disappoint all these teachers who put their faith in us and these schools who've yeah. really struggled, you know, with all the bugs and all the things that were really hard? And I just did not want... Mm. to let those teachers down. So so at what point did investment play uh, a role in, in changing that? At what, at what point did you stop feeling sick? Um, <laughs> I didn't stop feeling sick until about 2014, but <laughs> So okay. tell us about the investment process and what yeah. that kind of looked mm. like for so you. So once our mortgage has, had maxed out and, you know, we absolutely had nothing left, mm-hmm. um, we were really, really fortunate in meeting um, – well, see, we – we established a board very early on, mm-hmm. um, and so we had we met a man called John Vickers, who became um, basically our third co-founder. co-founder. Yeah. Um, and he put in what we now know as angel money. And I also had, um, very fortunately, an uncle who a was triple a triple F fund, a triple F fund, <laughs> right. family, friends, and fools. No, no, no fools. We have no, no. fools. But, yeah, <laughs> Uncle Bill, you know, was there as well really backing us and Amazing. there were times when, you know, we had cash flow issues and I'd have to ring John or Bill and say right. I need $25,000. Wow. You know, and we were just... So, John, very successful executive from South Africa. Yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, we, you know, we, we just, company of our size doesn't deserve to have someone as well, yeah. experienced or high as mm-hmm. him. He was... We were very fortunate. His wife was a teacher yep. oh, and that's how we met. And he understood the challenge and his wife, yep. you know, he could see the potential of the how product. Did you meet him? We met him through a, 
his brother-in-law worked at the school we were working at. Um, he came out from South Africa and didn't have anywhere to stay, so he stayed with us and I became friends with his wife and one thing led to another. Um, so, again, it's mm. serendipitous. Um, but it's also, I guess, you never know who's going to come along and, you know, one of the things that I always say to people now is never say no to a coffee with someone, um, never not go to... I don't want to use the term, well, networking events, mm. um, but you events need to meet like people. people. Absolutely. And yeah. you can't do this by yourself. Mm-hmm. Like it's not a solo enterprise. You need so many people around you and you yeah. never know where they're going to come from. Mm. So we were incredibly fortunate with John and he's been part of the team since we, basically mm. we met him in 2008. Yeah. And he came on just to kind of. Help us through the little dip. Through the little dip. Oh, he's a stunning guy, John. <laughs> but yeah, we, we then got, I guess we got to about 2012 and uh, a number of things happened and we met um, Peter and Andrew Larson, so oh, yeah, yes, Larson, Larson family. And we're at a point there where we, we were actually cash flow positive for the first time. So we're on our way. We could have kept going. But it wasn't so much about accelerating growth. It was about just cementing the bottom line. And so 2013, we took three tranches of investment from um, the Larson Family Trust. Sharon really hit it off well with Peter and Peter. And, you know, th- these guys are just salt of the year sort of guys. Yeah. They wanted to invest, or Peter wanted to invest in us because he believed in what we were doing. And he's and there was the a real co-founder of Navitas. Navitas, yeah. Very, very successful. Yeah. 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 listed yeah. education company. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, it. you know, he used to be... A teacher. Yeah. So he kind of knew so what we were doing. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. So yeah. That, that was more about just shoring up that bottom line, making sure we weren't going hand to mouth. We have interesting cash flow cycles. All of our revenue comes in in sort of the January, a little bit in April, a little bit in August. But we'd have cash flow because we'd be staffing up for the next stage of growth and really just covering that bottom line. Uh, 2015, then we we took a a, a round that was led by some uh, key people who went to their high net worths and uh, we took another round there, which is about uh, some new product and acceleration. Mm. Uh, and then we did another round, uh, 2016, I think, around the um, merger that we did yes. with 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 we'll get to the merger in a minute. Just 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 that I'm fascinated in that. By this stage, you, it's taking off. Was there was there a moment where it took off, or was it a slow, inexorable growth of getting more and more it, schools it, it on? Was 2012, it, it was 2012. It was 2012-13. So 2012-13, um, we grew from something like, I think we came in with about 30 schools. Mm-hmm. By the end of 2013, we started the next year with 300 and something schools. Okay, so that's type so, 10. So yeah, that, yeah. and, and so that, that, that was pretty... Pretty significant growth period. And, and that literally, again, it was that convergence of technology and the right salesperson on the yep. ground. Growth in WA, um, growth over east? No, we started growing over east as well. So by that yeah. point, we had a, one or two schools in South Australia, but nothing anywhere else. Yep. So we now have quite a spread of schools across Australia. WA is still our strongest uh, market. Hmm. Um, I we're also it's a SaaS model. It's a subscriptions, the school pay an annual fee, a monthly, yeah. quarterly, yeah. Uh, and depending on the number of people yeah. using it in different yeah. levels. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. 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 So it's it's our SaaS revenue is in the oh, I can't remember what the actual percentage is, but in the 80, 90 percent. Right, it's very little, very nice type of revenue. That's just in coming in, yeah. And, yeah. It, and if your churn is one hundred percent or near to, or your 
shirt is zero and you're keeping nearly all of them on. It's it's a bit above but zero, it's but it's, it's, it's very Pretty low, good yeah. for a SaaS model, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yes, mm. for sure. So in terms of managing all those investors that have come along over the years, how do you find that process? Is everyone just very seamlessly joined the board and away you've gone? or? Um, no, not everybody's joined the board. Um, we've got about, I mean, four, I think about, over 40 of our staff are actually shareholders. Wow. So, right. um, you know, that was really, really important to us when we got to the point where we were able to offer um, staff the opportunity to buy in. Mm-hmm. Um, was yeah. there a lot of uptake of that? Yeah, yeah, it yeah. really was. Awesome. Yeah, it was right. lovely. Well, in yeah. the sector, that's 40 of 70-something staff. So there's quite a bit. Yeah. Quite well, a bit was, there were less I think it's about then. that. But yeah. Yeah. You're in a public unlisted structure because you've got presumably went over the 50 shareholders yes. allowed for a private yeah mm-hmm. correct quite early yeah. on and have you got 40 of your staff, the staff on, on it. yeah that's right but, yeah. Yeah, how do you manage all that so that's public. so that's, so you that's have john to, shop yeah right, john, john <laughs> his yeah. problem excellent well he does it very very well um <laughs> right. and obviously because he's he's listed companies before and he's also bought back um public yes. companies and, and yeah. privatized right. them again he okay. knows all the ins and outs of it and so our governance on that um, side of things is right. absolutely fantastic, and so when when we went into the next deal, it was I mean all our ducks were in a row because John's just all over it. Yeah. Yep. So we've been running audit accounts since two thousand eight, I think. Yeah. Oh, and wow. and highly yeah. like good audited accounts yeah. almost at not quite a public level, but you know. But pretty. So yeah, we've we've had to learn a lot of discipline around mm. reporting, um, auditing, um, you know, how we're using money and all of that yeah. sort of stuff. And presenting right management accounts, yeah, management yep. accounts to the board have been done since you know pretty much day one. Yeah. And yep. um, that was great learning for for us. Fantastic. Yeah. So now, can you yeah can you tell us the story of the 2017 merger with uh, the Melbourne based company at Synergetic and how how did that change everything you were just talking about? Yeah, so that's probably um, a bit more my story. So um, we, after taking the last round of investment late 2016, which was around um, um, this this merger and taking out some minorities and that sort of stuff, um, uh, we, we, sorry, after taking the 2015 round, sorry, Hmm. we had people who were really interested in supporting us to bring some consolidation in the EdTech market. There's a lot of fragmentation and particularly in the bigger players. So what we really wanted to do was find people who are a bit like-minded, see if we could put together a, a group where there was defensibility, cross-sell, upsell uh, opportunity. Um, so it was about growth and it was about defensibility in the marketplace. A lot of um, Australian air techs have uh, been bought out by Canadian investment, right. US investment, bought out by private equity. So we were really looking at how do we... We don't do the school admin portion, you know, the enrolments and the business, the finance, the um, alumni, um, all of that business of running a school, that's not what sector does. We do the business of teaching and learning in the school. And you're always up for a challenge. Everyone always wants the holy grail product, which is, you know, everything a school needs to do, and it's either you're doing teaching and learning from a business perspective or you're doing business, well, not really from a teaching and learning perspective because no one does that. So really we wanted to be able to offer our clients something that went end-to-end, did everything, it did the business pieces with um, a subsidiary who's really, really focused on how best to do accounts and finance and billing and enrolments and all that. Well, we continued to focus, but we could offer an end-to-end solution. So they've been doing that, presumably. They've been doing doing that for 40 years. 
40 oh, wow. years. They've been doing okay. that for 40 years. Uh, and they were sort of seen as, you know, the gold star standard in education. They had, um, right. you know, a, a big client base um, in the eastern states, big presence over there. So. And, and all of the top tier schools. But they didn't yeah. do the bits you did around teaching and learning. That's right. Uh, well, no, they do the crossover, like the what they call admin, but I call teaching mm. and learning admin with your attendance, your pastoral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yep. So it's a natural coming together at two Natural systems, coming yeah. together. And, you know, that's been an interesting journey. We're 18 months in now. We've worked out um, the rules around dropping towels on the floor and putting tea bags on the sink and that sort of stuff. <laughs> uh, I think that's the first bit of your relationship. You, yeah, yeah. You, you do a cultural yeah. look and yeah. feel on the due diligence and everything looks good, but once you actually get into the house together, that's when you start finding things where things don't fit. I think we really we've got into a really good place now. We're really starting to co um, co create, um, you know, the uh, ideas for the future, and um, it's getting to a really really positive uh, place. We've also done two two further acquisitions. Um, so Myat Online, um, we've taken a, a sort of a majority stake in that. We've also brought out a company called OmniLink out of Sydney, which is in the sort of mm-hmm. geolocation. But can um, you share some of the plans for the future without, you know, giving all everything away? But you, you growth, you obviously bedded down that uh, merger, growth in Australia, international plans, UK, Asia. Okay, so, so firstly, the Education Horizons Group what, that we've become a part of, We've, we've really bought a platform that is a consolidation platform. So yeah. where we can access capital quickly to get another, you know, we find something that really fits with where we're heading in our vision. We can bring that inside the group quickly through equity or, 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 or um, buyout. Um, then really starting to try and leverage where we can centralise services. So, yeah. for example, financial and marketing is now centralised across the group. Um, so that's what EHG is. It's a platform for bringing some consolidation, finding um, synergetic things that belong yes. together um, and, and really um, improving the value that we can offer um, to, to, to schools. In terms of international expansion, we've sort of taken a um, – we're addressing a particular key part of the market through Asia. Yeah. Um, and actually that can be anywhere, Canada, um, uh, we've got one in Canada as well, and, and that's a particular segment of the market. We're really looking to grow in that segment slowly, um, you know, not slowly, but grow in that segment. We've found some traction. When that reaches, I guess, a tipping point, it's where we are going to have to build some capability offshore um, so that we're, you know, we can't deliver to other segments in Asia mm. without getting our price point down, mm. if that makes yeah. sense. Okay. Uh, so the, the, pro, the segment we're looking at actually has a price point that's the Australian pricing works for them. Yep. But to then expand into, you know, there's 250-something thousand schools in Indonesia. Right? Oh, wow. You know, it's yeah. huge. Mm-hmm. But we can't access a lot of those because our price point would right. be too high. Yeah. So at some point when we get that, the right amount of traction will say, okay, we've got to get capability on the ground, mm-hmm. we'll yep. be able to reduce that price point and we'll be able to start addressing the bigger markets there. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's been great hearing the story. We're going to finish with some rapid-fire questions. Are you ready for oh, those? Oh, here we, we go. We are. Sure. So just, just answer, don't even think about it. All right. <laughs> so the single most important factor that makes a successful startup, what do you reckon? Quick, tenacity. <laughs> tenacity. <laughs> okay. Sharon's trying. She's recognised it. Single most, no? Single most important thing with a startup to be successful. Belief. 
Believe. Oh, beautiful. Do you believe in outsourcing or insourcing? Insourcing. Oh, very strong on that Your one. Your story, very sure. Uh, should a startup self-fund or raise money? Self-fund as much as you possibly can, mm-hmm. but don't be afraid to give away a slice of the pie. Um, mm. It's the old yep. much better to have even 50%. Of something than zero percent. I mean, one hundred percent of nothing. Are you yeah. PC or Mac? Mac. PC. Oh, PC. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, and what podcast do you listen to? This one, of course. Oh, perfect this answer. One. Much yeah, appreciated. <laughs> well, thanks, Grant, Sharon. Uh, we want to wish you all the best for your expansion, your growth. Thank You're you. a great local tech success story. Congratulations on everything you've done. Amazing to hear it. It's that five years of the, you know pushing. Even to get the MVP, I think, which is very admirable. And I think a lot of startups ignore that's what is required. It right. is required. It's I wouldn't good to hear yeah. that. Yeah. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but it <laughs> did, did have to happen that way. But it didn't had it? to happen, yes. For sure. <laughs> well, look, we want to thank everyone for listening. And of course, don't forget to subscribe uh, to the Startup West podcast. Give us a nice review. Share it with your friends and family. Do all that good stuff uh, so you can get this podcast in your feed. And of course, we need to thank our sponsors, don't yes. we, Charlie? Yes, uh, I've got to thank you guys uh, at Alika for this, but also ECU The Link, Think Lab Working, and BDO. Thanks for listening. See you next time.